everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe. Uh, Joe on by telephone tonight, uh, but he will uh, join us in just a moment, and we have lots of stuff to talk about, as usual. Uh, I guess we'll start out with uh, kind of our opening topic from last week, Uh, and we always like to give out correct information, but sometimes uh, there is no correct information until later on, and things are adjusted, and that's exactly what happened last week when we talked about Daniel Negreanu winning the World Series of Poker Player of the Year title. Uh, with his uh, late finish over in Europe. And as it turns out this week, they took it away from him. They had to recalculate the standings. There were some, some mistakes in the, uh, the original calculations. And uh, Negrano had been awarded some points in an event he didn't even play in. So uh, they went over and looked it all over. And Robert Campbell is now the player of the year for the World Series of Poker 2019. What do you think of that? Wow, Big Dave, <laughs> I'm sure as disappointing as I am, I can't imagine how Daniel feels, but obviously if he got awarded points in a, in, in a, in a tournament that he didn't play in, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he can't be that upset. Yeah, he, he understands. He uh, He's a good guy, and... Uh, you know, I would like to see, uh, it's great for poker, obviously, him winning the uh, the Player of the Year honors, but uh, Robert Campbell had a great year, won a couple of uh, big uh, tournaments over in Europe and uh, uh, came on late to take the title, a great uh, mixed game player, and uh, I think that's a feather in the cap of the WSOP to have uh, someone like that win the award as well. Oh, absolutely, and you know what? It's also nice for the, po- you know, the poker public, uh, the public uh uh, knowing that you know that they corrected a mistake that that they made, so you know, uh, with all the things that have happened over the last few years and stuff with uh, with uh, you know Black Friday and everything else, it's nice to know that the uh, po- poker public knows that at least this is on the up and up. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, obviously Daniel has a very great life. Uh, he's uh, been a nice guy, and uh, recently got married, I guess, earlier this year, I think it was in April, to Amanda Leatherman, who used to be the uh, interviewer for the Big Game Show and uh, has been a poker announcer and uh, contributor for many years. But they had a beautiful wedding outdoors, and I think we talked a lot about it when it happened back then. But he has a, a great life, beautiful wife. I'm sure they'll have some beautiful kids, and uh, certainly uh, losing out a Player of the Year title isn't going to do it. But uh, Campbell wins over Sean Deeb by about, uh, I guess, about 43 points, and Negreanu was about 100 back after they they changed that uh, setup. Uh, The quote from Daniel was this, uh, With age comes wisdom. I truly believe that. Had this happened to me when I was a cocky 25-year-old kid, I'm sure I wouldn't have taken the same news the same as I do today. You know what? And and I can't agree with him anymore. You know, I, I know at my age now... You know, you and I, Dave, are, are a good 15 years older than Daniel. But, you know, uh, like you said, Daniel has a great life. He's already a Hall of Famer. And just being in the top three, 
I mean, because from what you're telling me, I think he dropped down to third from from what they had he declared did. He at did. first. Yes. So, and and I believe he was third going in. Remember, if if we if I remember correctly, Sean Deeps was first, and the other gentleman was second, right? That's correct. So you know, it's a lot easier to take what once you've won at least two of those Player of the Year titles, and uh, you know, and you're already in the Hall of Fame. You're already considered one of the greatest poker players of all time, and you're still only 45 years old. So, yeah. um, you well, know, well, I'm sure he was very gracious uh, with all, everything that happened. Absolutely. You know? I guess the guy who has the, the most right to be upset is Sean D, because he went into the final event. Uh, they told him that he uh, needed to finish in the top five to win the title, but he actually only needed to finish in ninth place to win, he was down to the final 11 of that last tournament he played in and was the first one knocked out. So if he had known he only needed to nurse up a couple of spots, he might have played things totally differently. You're absolutely right, Dave. Dave you know, he may have played that a little differently just so that he could have gotten the title. But without knowing what his chip standing was, I mean, granted, it's a big difference from ninth to fifth, especially when what what was it? Uh, he was they were eleven eleven players. He, 10 players eleven left, players one, left. Yes, eleven players left. You know he he may not have had a choice because you know remember at eleven players it's usually one table of six, one table of five before they combine the two five five handed tables. You know for the final ten, which does make a difference because. If you get lucky once they redraw for the table and you either get the button or you're close to it, you do have a few more hands to play. But, again, not knowing where Sean was as far as the, you know, in correlation to his blinds and, and his stack, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Has Sean said anything concerning what you just mentioned? Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he did because he doesn't hesitate to make his comments known, but uh, I, I guess he'll live with it basically. Well, yeah, well, he's got no choice but to live with it, but, you know, it's it's a lot easier to know that, hey, I had no choice at that point when, when whenever he put all his chips in the center of the pot. Um, you know, uh, big difference, again, like you said, if, if, he, if, if he knew that he only had to move up two spots. And obviously just getting one more player eliminated may have put him in a position where he would have had a lot more hands to make a decision if he was short-stacked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, that that will be quickly forgotten, I'm sure. They'll talk about it again next year when the World Series gets underway out in Vegas. But um, nice to see both Negreanu and Deeb, uh, you know, challenging right to the very end. And obviously it meant a lot to, to uh, all three of these guys. So, um, you know, it's uh, the regular poker world kind of uh, is not all that uh, excited about it. But there are a few people that are making comments, uh, Matt Glance and, and a few other people that followed it pretty closely. So, so it's great what for the business. The, what were the comments, Dave? What were the comments? I'd be interested to, I mean, you know, well, were they upset that this wasn't done the right way, handled no. the right way? I'm, I'm sure some of that was said, but. Let me see. Matt Glance uh, was the one who pointed out that uh, that. Uh, Deeb was probably the most dramatically affected, and there was a, a few other uh, things. Uh, Glance said, uh, he said, imagine thinking you won the player of the year, but you didn't due, due to a clerical error. Imagine thinking you didn't win the player of the year, but then you did due to a clerical error. And imagine being 3 of 11 in the final event and told you need a fifth place to win, but you only needed ninth. So sucks for all three. Sucks for all three, he says. 
Well, think about it. You, you know what I you know what I equate this to? Like uh, when they took uh, Reggie Bush's uh, Heisman Trophy away for whatever you know the cheating or whatever the you know whatever the scandal was that his, you know, his parents got paid off, and then the person in second place is supposed to be awarded the, the award. Uh, I don't know how how people feel about that. I mean, granted, it's one on the field, just like the poker title. You know, Player of the Year is one on the felt, but you know. It is hard to imagine that, you know, they made this mistake, but, you know, everybody is human. My biggest concern here is I would have probably been a little easier if, you know, points had been awarded that weren't supposed to be awarded as opposed to being told that Daniel got points for a tournament that he didn't even enter. That, yeah. that's a, for me, that's a little hard to comprehend, Yeah. you know. Well, it was, a cler- it, it was a clerical mistake, they say, by someone on the staff who, uh, let's see, what they, it, it actually came from the time in Vegas. They said, uh, when we uploaded results uh, to our website, uh, event number 68 was affected in places 32 to 46. Um, the results from event 87 were erroneously and additionally uploaded into the final results of 68 more than two weeks after the completion. So uh, when the staffer uploaded the first 15 players who were eliminated in the money, uh, instead of uploading them to that uh, one, they loaded it up to another event. Anyway, uh, so they figured that out. But I did, just to let you know, you asked about Deeb, and I did see his, I do did pull up his tweet. Uh, he says, I just landed in the States. I'm in shock and really frustrated. Time to check all my caches and see if they missed any. I know there was a he says I know there was a fifteen hundred dollars six max that was missing from the uh, twenty five thousand fantasy contest for a while. So there's always can be plenty of mistakes that happen in some of these things. Right, but I, I mean, you know, we've been doing this for close to ten years, Dave, and I don't ever recall them having a situation like this in yeah. in the past. I mean, I know. you know. Uh, it 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 it's it is kind of hard to imagine that they miss something like that. You know, I, I think it would have even been better if they had said, "Oh wow, we didn't calculate one tournament that we thought we had, and now once the points are in, you know, um, you know, it changes the, obviously the results. Right, uh, right. You know, for these gentlemen, you know, but to hear, you know, I, again from from Daniel's standpoint. He's really got nothing to be upset about because he realizes he he was uh, given points that in a tournament that he never entered. Forget about where he finished, right. you know. Yeah, that's and true. That's and true. again, for Deeb, it is it is kind of hard. I mean, to know that you're told that you got to come in fifth and you get as close as eleven in that tournament. Was that in the finals in the main event? No, it was uh, something earlier, I believe. Okay, so. He he still would have had a chance, I guess, going forward to have a better finish in some of the other tournaments. I mean, granted, there, there's there's no way of sugarcoating it. it. It really does suck. But as a you know poker purist, I would say you know as long as the the correct results were made, you know right. you have to kind of live with it. You well, have no other choice but to live you know, with it. You know, I think uh, like we mentioned last week. In fact, uh, Daniel's comments that there's no money for this award, so it it's not like uh, it cost him any cash, but. You know, it was just the prestige and the, and the reputation and the things uh, that players strive for to be recognized in this game. So uh, it is a mistake and it is a problem, but, uh, you know, well, it is what it Dave, is. Dave, you know, 
I mentioned it last week when we thought he had won the tournament. Yeah, I mean, when he had won the player of the year, excuse me, it was just another so-called feather in his cap. Yeah. I mean, he was already a two-time winner. And more importantly, he was a, uh, you know, first-time ballot, you know, eligible Hall of Fame player, you know, which which at the end, when it, when it all comes down to it, you know, that's the most proud thing that Daniel can have. You right. know, yeah, no that question. at the age of 40, which is, I believe, the age that you, the minimum age that you could be to become a Hall of Famer in the Poker Hall of Fame, you know, he was a clear-cut choice and a first ballot, you know, entry into that. It just would have made his resume look a little bit better, but I don't think it changes anything. But for somebody who we've known, Sean Deeb has been an outstanding player for many years. Um, you know, maybe in the future, maybe even be a Hall of Famer himself. You know, it is a little tough, but again, the other gentleman earned it based on the the actual results of the tournaments. And uh, you know, my congratulations to this gentleman. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Obviously, well earned for his great success for the for the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, the big tournament going on right now, which is kind of a, I guess you might call it a made-for-TV event because they they show it on Poker Go. It's in the being played in the Poker Go studios out in Las Vegas, and that is the Poker Masters. I don't know if you remember it from last year, Joe, but uh, the winner of the points uh, wins a uh, this uh, velour purple jacket, uh, which uh, I guess uh, can closely be identified with the green jacket from the Masters in golf. But uh, they are playing. It is a series, a small series of events, all ten thousand and up, so all high rollers in this series, and they have seven events in the book, and uh, the latest uh, was uh, was just completed and won by Sam Sovereil, who was originally from West Palm Beach. He won the 25K PLO event, uh, defeating Sean Winter at the final table, and uh, just a small entry field there, so there were only five payouts, and... Uh, George Wolf and took to third. The purple, you'll forgive me, Dave, because I do remember you mentioned it last year, but, you know, was it something that they had to be the, uh, was it like the, the player of these different tournaments? Yeah, you get points. Get, you get points for every event and then the top uh, point getter. Right now, Chance Corneth is the, is the leader, and uh, he's had three caches thus far on the first six events, and then... Uh, Kristen Bicknell won a tournament, so she's in second. Isaac Barron in third. Anyway, they uh, they add up the points uh, for their finishes in these events, and uh, the winner gets the purple jacket. Now, how many events is it again? I think it's ten altogether, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, so far they've got seven and completed. All right. Well, uh, and where is this being held at? That's okay. at the Poker Go Studios in Las, in, uh, Las Vegas. But Is that I, the one that was at the uh, Luxor? No, it's not. That's that's the WPT events. This is an actual studio oh. that they built out there, and uh, it's uh, pretty neat. Anyway, um, you know, a lot of the people that hang out in Vegas and live in Vegas are, are the ones participating. So there's not a tremendous amount of players. Uh, the very first tournament I know was uh, 97 players in a $10,000 buy-in event. So uh, that was won by. Uh, Isaac Barron, and uh, so you got guys like Dan Shack there, Scott Blumstein is playing, Sam Sovereil, Chance Corneth, 
and a few others. Uh, Ali Imsarovich, Ben Heath, some some pretty big names in the game, but uh, not everybody, obviously. And it did con- it did uh, overlap with uh, several other big tournaments. Yeah, I, I guess they're, they're trying to make it that more prestigious, like you said, with the purple jacket trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, come up with, like, the Masters Golf Tournament. Yeah. Um, it, this is only their second year doing this, though, correct? That's correct. Uh, they they yeah. uh, There's four, there's a couple tournaments to go. There's nine altogether, as I'm looking here. But uh, Corneth, uh who we've had on the show before and uh, lived in Miami at least for a while. I'm not sure if he still is, but he is uh, leading right now. And uh, 630 points with his three caches. And then there's several people tied uh, near the top, uh, including Bicknell and Barron. So um, just quickly to run down some of those events. Uh, event number two was a uh, PLO, 10,000 PLO, run won by Ryan LaPlante. Uh, the event three was short deck hold'em, with the deuces and fives removed from the deck, and uh, that one was won by an unknown named Jonathan Deppa, who uh, is trying to increase his visibility, and he won the $50,000 short deck title also at the WSOP. So he won this one, uh, 37 entries in that one. Then event four was eight-game mixed event, uh, and it was won by... Um, Jared Blesnick, who defeated Kerry Katz for the title. And then event number five, uh, Julian Martini uh, won the uh, $10,000 Big Bet Mixed Tournament. And uh, so he beat Cale Burns for the title. And they just finished uh, events six and seven. Kristen Bicknell won event number six. Very nice to see her win. Uh, Sweet girl. And uh, goes out with Alex Foxen. And she won the $25,000 uh, event number six. And she defeated Corneth at the final table for first place. Ali Imsarovich was third. So uh, they're through seven events, two to go for the Purple Jacket. And uh, Corneth looks pretty good, except Sabral has now picked up a lot of points with his win in the 25000 PLO and uh, probably is the only one that can catch him right now. Yeah, unless somebody wins both of the last two tournaments. Well, that's true. Yes, three hundred for a win, I think, and then. uh, But you know, not everybody's playing every event, so uh, we'll see. Right Right now, Corneth has six hundred thirty points. Sovereign has five seventy, and then you got one, two. Kale Burns has three thirty, and then you got another six people that have three hundred. All right. Well, listen, uh, uh, that's very interesting. I, 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 until you mentioned it now, I didn't even think about that. But it is amazing, though, you know, with the, like you said, the minimum buy-in in any of these tournaments is $10,000. You know, it's, it, you know, 97 people at $10,000. You know, that's just amazing, you know. Right. No, uh, exactly so. Anyway, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk just a little bit about the uh, the charity event at the Isle over the weekend. I did not get a chance to go over there because my uh, truck broke down. But uh, I can honestly say that couldn't have worked out better for me uh, coming out of that. So uh, not, not a huge uh, uh, co- shot to my wallet and very happy to say that. So uh, anyway, it did keep me from going over to the tournament, but I want to let people know what happened over there. It's a, it's a great charity event, one of the best in the country, 
And uh, they finished over the weekend with several events, Phil Hellmuth uh, leading the way among the celebrities. Anyway, let's take a break. Hey, put, we'll put you on hold, Joe. And we'll be back it. with more of the show when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. And we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave in studio, Joe Rodriguez on by phone as we bring you another edition of the show. Don't forget you can always pick us up on our website at PokerActionLine.com. Latest show is uh, posted there. And also uh, you can go to SoundCloud and uh, search Poker Action Line. Uh, A lot of people follow the show there, which we appreciate. The Hold'em Radio Network still carrying the program. uh, Podcast page on... uh, PokerFuse.com has uh, carried us regularly for many, many years. And uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, check us out. And we uh, kind of had some uh, flux on the show on what night we'd been doing the show. Uh, just a uh, course of life, basically. And uh, so we haven't had uh, guests lately. Although uh, that interview we did with Tony Burns, uh, when they opened the Seminole Hard Rock, uh, we, you ought to check that out from a couple of weeks ago as uh, they got the brand-new poker room over there. Tony promised to come on the show one night in the studio and uh, be here for the entire show, so we're going to try to set that up over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, The uh, WSOP circuit just finished up yesterday in uh, Oklahoma at the uh, Choctaw Durant. I actually was uh, in Oklahoma this year. I did a game, uh, worked for ESPN, out at Oklahoma State in Stillwater, and actually... 
was not too far from that casino. There were several others out there that I uh, passed by on the way from the airport in Tulsa. But uh, big casino there and uh, a big draw for everybody in the area, including up from Dallas. But uh, they finished their main event, Nathaniel Kogel was the winner of this one. Jesus Martinez, both from San Antonio, uh, finished second. And really the only name that pops out of me on the t- final table was uh, Lily Coletto, who uh, lives over on the west coast of Florida, from what I know, uh, originally from New York, but a uh, very pretty lady that uh, has been around the uh, WPT and WSOP circuit scene for uh, quite some time. But she finished in seventh place. So uh, the ser- that series is over. And uh, we also want to let you know what happened over at the aisle with the uh, the great tournament known as the Howard Frank Memorial Tournament, uh, Deep Stack Extravaganza. They played there. They had the main event on Sunday, and uh, the winner was David Marshall from Los Angeles. Uh, uh, aptly named Lucky Lang finished in second, and Frank Giordano was fifth. He's a uh, local player here, uh, but... I followed the list down. The top 37 made it into the money, and the final table all earned a trip out to Vegas. So uh, 37 players made the money, and uh, the final 10 got the uh, trips out to the Venetian later uh, next year. So uh, congratulations to all those people. Um, They had uh, 366 entries, so a nice turnout there. But as usual, Joe, they had some other tournaments tied in. They had the Phil Helmuth event, which was called the Beat the Brat, $2,200 tournament, a high roller. And Raminder Singh from Delray Beach, a local player here, defeated Sam Panzika at the final table to uh, win 22000 in that one. Uh, no word on how long uh, Helmuth lasted in that one. But uh, Michael Dwyer took third. There was also a couple other tournaments, including uh, uh, one with uh, Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher hosting. And then they also had uh, a couple other tournaments as well that uh, some of the other players uh, uh, made uh, some pretty good cash. And obviously they raised a lot of money and they gave away a lot of prizes. I don't know exactly if anybody won the car or the $100,000 package with the car. Uh, for a Royal Flush, uh, but there was a, another tournament. Mike Sexton was part of this event, and uh, they had a tournament called Sexton on the Beach, which is a pretty good one there. And they uh, played for a party poker package. 35 players made up that field, and Lynn Henderson of Sunrise bested Vincent Leno to win the title. So... Uh, a lot of fun had by all, and they give away so many prizes, and they're silent auctions, and it's just one of those events, if you like uh, to have a good time with your poker and meet a lot of nice people, it's certainly an event to go to. And, Dave, let me ask you, what is the, uh, do they give money to different charities, or is it one particular charity? Yeah, and uh, you asked me that, but I don't know right offhand, and I didn't bring the paperwork in with me. There are several charities that benefit from this event, so uh, we'll mention that next week. But uh, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Well, righty. But at least it definitely helps some different charities. Oh, yeah. It's a great thing. You know, we've had David Kane, Rabbi David Kane, on the show a couple of times. And uh, the people who run this event do a great job. Um, I guess kind of the... Uh, 
first event with Vinny, a good friend of yours, Vinny Gatto, in charge over there as far as a uh, interim manager. Uh, I was over there last week trying to find out if they advanced that any farther, and apparently not. So uh, uh, Ken Lambert leading, leaving the uh, casino earlier this year. Don't have a lot of information about his circumstance, but uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said he had gone to another casino and was already already gone from there. Really? Yeah. Some place in Texas. Wow. Some place in Texas. I don't know exactly where. Oh, in Texas? Yeah. Do you do you do know what's happening? I don't know if you know because. Uh, uh, a former uh, assistant manager of mine, uh, and I won't mention his name on the air right now, but you know exactly who that is, uh, Big Dave, that worked with me when we first started out many, many, many years ago over there at Miami Highlight. Yeah. He was working as a dealer in the Houston area at some, I guess it's not a casino, it's, it's more a, called like a social. Yeah, it's a card, you know, like card a they have car, a lot of cards clubs there, and they've been busted a lot lately. Exactly, because of the way they went about it. You actually had to become a member to play. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd like to know, you know, when you mentioned Ken Lambert going over there and letting him be let go. Because, you know, Texas is one of those states that doesn't really allow a whole lot of gambling in their state. No, in fact, that, uh, that Choctaw Casino in Oklahoma is the one that all the people from uh, the Dallas area drive up to. So uh, you're right about that. But uh, there is there is some poker there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, where Ken went, but uh, it's funny. I, I was talking to somebody today, and they told me Texas was going to secede from the Union pretty soon. <laughs> I think they've been trying to do that for many years, yeah, by the way. Exactly. You know, and remember, when we started the show, you know, obviously the 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 greats of like Doyle Brunson and Johnny Moss. And the, yeah, yeah, I loved reading those stories, Dave, of, you know, the, uh, the gra- the games that they used to have, uh, you know, the private games, I guess, or the underground games, whatever they called them, uh, back then in Texas, how big they were, you know, and I always laugh because, you know, we've talked about New York getting busted with some of those private clubs in the city, you know, and I've known that they've been, you know, we've all played poker, you know, I grew up in that area, Granted, my 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 work and my playing cards was more of a house game, you know. But uh, you always heard about all these different places where they played higher limits and all of that stuff. So um, it is kind of funny to me that they still can't get it, you know, to, to allow themselves to have at least poker rooms in that state. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, the other thing I want to mention, by the way, uh, as we move forward. Uh, there's a, a Run Good Poker Tour event going on uh, in, uh, geez, I don't even have the name of where it is, but uh, going on right now, and, and they have an event called the, which I hope this is a trend, by the way, uh, but they have what's called the Poker Industry Championship, a $330 buy-in tournament, so not a big deal, but I was just looking at some of the players playing, they're down to the final two in uh a friend of ours who's been on the show, Chad Holloway, is uh, playing head-to-head for the title there. But out in fourth place was uh, Bernard Lee, who uh, is covering uh, the action out there. It's at oh, by the way, it's at it's at Tulsa. It's Hard Rock Tulsa. Okay. But Bernard, Bernard Lee, Lee boy. went out in fourth. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. He went out in fourth, and uh, Chad's still playing now, winning the final two. 
Well, congratulations to both of them. You know, good luck. Good luck to Chad there. Yeah, but I, uh, you know, there's these people now. Now Chad has won. Uh, he won a uh, bracelet at the World Series of Poker in the Casino uh, Employees Championship. So, uh, you know, he's he's familiar with uh, playing in some big events, and he's also been a publicist for the Mid-States Poker Tour over the years. Uh, but, you know, these guys write for different uh, websites and magazines over the years. Uh, Chad actually writes for Annie Up Magazine, as I do as well. And, of course, has written for Bluff and uh, Poker News over the years. So um, he went to law school years ago and uh, got into the poker business. But he's able to uh, get some recognition and play out uh, out there on the, while covering some of these things. I think it's great. Yeah, and obviously he has proven by, by finishing high and winning some of these tournaments and, and currently is, you know fighting for the title that he is an excellent poker player, too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we'll see if we can get a result on him. I'm pulling for him to win that thing, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on then. Uh, A couple of uh, strategy-type things I wanted to mention. Uh, First of all, WPT, there's a little article that I want to talk about, a hand that uh, was played by Tony Dunst at a uh, $5,000 buy-in tournament earlier uh, this year. And I won run down some of that. It was actually at Montreal, the WPT Montreal. And there was a $5,000 high roller. He uh, talks about uh, play around the bubble. And we know that uh, a lot of aggressive players can really exploit a lot of people who are really just trying to uh, make the final table or make the cash, whatever it is, at that time. And he talks about a hand there, so I want to run that down with you. Uh, he said they were about four or five players off the money, and uh, all the players that were in this hand were uh, pretty mu- well above average. So, you know, you're running into people that got a good number of chips. He said he had about 300,000 chips. The blinds were 1,503,000. Oh, my goodness. So it's, uh, it's a long, deep into the tournament. He said there, there's a hijack, and the, and the under-the-gun player both had him covered, and the big blind was sitting on 200,000. So he identified the the two the big blind and the under the gun player as kind of recreational players while the hijack was a regular who uh, had recently made the WPT final table playing aggressive. He said he doesn't play psychotic, but he wasn't sure how conscious he was of the bubble because he'd never played with him before. Anyway, the under the gun opened the action for 7,000. The hijack called and he woke up with pocket sixes on the cutoff, and then the big blind called. So they had four alive going to the flop, and the flop came queen of clubs, nine of clubs, six of diamonds. So he uh, picked up the set there. Uh, the under-the-gun right. the under player bet, th- bet uh, 10,000. Hijack raised to 32,000, and he said, I had my first decision here. He said, if I weren't on the bubble... I would have simply three-bet the flop and be content to get the money in. But he said uh, the the hijack's raising range was probably made up of big combo draws, possibly pocket nines, uh, combos with the queen-nine suited, and maybe an ace-queen. I'm just saying, he probably thought when the first guy came out, he goes, all right, you know, but now he gets raised before he gets a chance to play his 
this set of sixes. Right. It is a, it is a little, I mean, you've got to love the flop, but it is a little scary that someone came out jumping on that and then, you know, somebody made a, a very decent raise, a three-time raise off of the, uh, off of the uh, flop uh, bet. So what did he do? Well, he said, uh, he said because they were on the bubble, he said he didn't want to uh, put 100 blinds in with a 50% chance of an elimination, So, despite having the set. So he just decided to call uh, with the intention of going all in if the turn was safe. But he said the big blind also called, and then the under-the-gun player called as well. Wow, that's scary. That's a very, very scary scenario for him right there, depending on what this card comes out. And I would have just called also in that situation. Would you? Okay. Yeah, uh, I would have just called in that situation because y- your hand is going to be more defined once the turn comes around. And you've got, you know, a better on the flop, a, a razor before you, and then... You know, you decide to just call, and then the guy behind you just, you know, smooth calls. This, this to me, is a very scary hand right now, but I'd love to see what happens on the turn. Well, remember what he had said about the hijack, that he was a uh, an aggressive player and a regular who had made a WPT final table while the other two were recreational players. I'm sure that was in his thoughts. <clears throat> right. Anyway, the turn card... Go ahead. Was the king of spades. So that completed a jack. If you were holding jack 10, that completed your straight. Uh, he said the big blind checked, the under the gun checked, and the hijack bets 120000 So Tony says uh, it, he pained him to do so, but he decided to fold because he said the hijack could have already had me and either the other two might have had something as well. So... Uh, he said it's frustrating to know the hijack could still have a number of club combos that I was ahead of, but with two players behind, there was just too much risk of someone having the straight. So he said he tossed his cards. Then the big blind and the the under-the-gun player also folded, giving the hand to the hijack. At that point, I bet he he was not happy that he folded his hand, but he was in a bad position to make that first decision. First call. Absolutely. You don't is, know what is, the other is, guys are going to do. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? What's that? Now, when the other two players that were left to act, the first one who had checked and then the guy who was uh, behind him, did, did, uh, was he, you know, was he upset that he was an, one of them called? Uh, he was annoyed. He thought, uh, he thought someone might have had something. So basically, uh, he was annoyed that he had folded and annoyed that the other two yeah, players exactly. folded. He was upset that he folded. You know, he was upset that he folded because I guarantee you if he had any inkling that those two players uh, were going to fold and the guy who made the big bet, wasn't that the guy who was the shortest stack on the table? Yes, of those four. Yeah. Of those four. four not of, it. of those, right, of those four. And he would have still been left with over a hundred thousand in chips, according to the numbers, if I recall correctly. Exactly, no, that's correct. Said. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I would have been upset because I'm making my call because two players behind me made a smooth call after a bet and a raise and and a call, and then they both lay down that hand. You know, yeah. my guess is he probably thought after that. 
he was probably ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but the funny thing is the the funny thing is the last line of the story to close things out. He says, "The saying goes that if you make a big fold, you should never tell anyone about it." I guess I just broke that rule here, writing this story. So I'm hoping the hijack never sees this article. <laughs> yeah, well, and he, he didn't let anybody know while he was playing, but you know, uh, afterwards. Who knows? You yeah, know, I'm exactly. sure he doesn't want this guy to read that story to know that he was able to get him off of a set. But you know, that that's a tough place. I I, I more than likely would have done the exact same thing, being with the amount of chips that he still had. Right. You know, because he was still sitting with about two hundred and fifty thousand or more in chips after the fold, and the blinds were fifteen hundred three thousand. So yeah, you know, he was still sitting with a with with a tremendous stop in reference to, you know, uh, uh, to the blinds. Well, I think uh, being on the bubble like that for a big payday, he ended up, by the way, he ended up, just to tell you the end of the story, he ended up uh, in a three-way chop. So he made some good money on that one. Well, then, you know, the, the moral of this story is he did the right things. He made a three-way chop. And he, because in essence, he got to the, you know, he won the tournament, you know, one way or the other. You wound up making a, a three-way job, so the call was correct at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Tony, you can catch, always catch Tony on the uh, the WPT. He's done a great job stepping in for Mike Sexton when he walked away from the broadcast and uh, works, obviously, with uh, Vince Van Patten. But uh, Tony's a great guy, and uh, he was one of the subjects of that movie, Bet, Raise, Fold, that uh, we watched a few years ago and followed uh, the making of that. So... Uh, he's had a pretty solid career in the world of poker as a player, as a broadcaster, and uh, just as kind of a celebrity out of that, so we congratulate him on that. Uh, the WPT is all kind of off for a month right now. They get back in action down here in South Florida. Uh, the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open main event is a WPT event, $3,500 buy-in, which starts on November 29th. Uh, that series gets over, gets underway in about a week, so uh, we'll be following some of that with Tony uh, Burns uh, and hopefully have him in the studio here as well. So after the Seminole Hard Rock Poker, Rock and Roll Poker Open, uh, they move out to the Five Diamond Classic in at the Bellagio in Las Vegas, and then the first of the year kicks in with a tournament January 9th at WPT Gardens in Los Angeles. So let's take another break here on the show, Joe. Uh, we'll finish things up. I got another couple of uh, strategy things. I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, we'll talk about another one. Uh, a little bit about bluffing and uh, a couple other things that we'll discuss as well when we come back. So hang on. I'll be right back with you. We'll be back to finish out the show when we return after these messages. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. 
The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. It's tough to break into a career. Everybody wants to hire someone with experience. But how can you get experience if no one will hire you? Employers like to see that you've done the hands-on work. In the Guard, you can get paid training in your specialty. Then go out and apply those skills in the civilian world. I wouldn't be where I am today without the Guard. I'm serving my country and I'm succeeding in the National Guard. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask how you can get the job skills you need for the career you have always wanted in the National Guard. Welcome back for our final segment on the program. Happy to say that uh, Chad Holloway did win that tournament. It's only twenty-two, only twenty-two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, but for a small tournament uh, with fifteen players, uh, all media members—not media, not just media, but uh, uh, floor people and uh, casino employees from uh, Hard Rock Tulsa. Uh, Bill Bruce, who has uh, been a administrator and floor guy for the WSOP for many years, also played in the event, and I know at one point got knocked out, ran right over to the window, bought in again, so uh, uh, Thomas Boulder finished second to Chad, he had a 3-1 to one chip lead, but uh, Chad busted his way back in and uh, gets the win there uh, in that tournament out at uh, Run Good Poker Tour, uh, but nice to see uh, getting a little coverage from Poker News and uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a $25,000 high roller to uh, get some coverage in the world of poker these days. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I've got kind of a floor uh, decision here. Interesting article I found. And, uh, you know, you always know that when a player mucks his cards and the cards touch the, the other cards, that they're dead. Uh, basically forever, period. Uh, as the story says, uh, uh, but there are occasionally some ways around that, and I didn't know uh, how you would feel about this, but I thought we would uh, uh, talk about a, uh, an exception. Uh, in Roberts, okay, now let me ask you, Dave, okay, you're ahead. talking about that someone folded and touched somebody else's cards? No, just folded, and, and his cards touched the muck, and you would think that the hand is over, but I want to explain this and how they... Uh, how they dealt with it at the table, which I thought they did a pretty good job. But uh, in Robert's Rules of Poker, uh, the quote from the the book is, Cards thrown into the muck may be ruled dead. However, a hand that is clearly identifiable may be retrieved and ruled live at management's discretion if doing so is in the best interest of the game. 
An extra effort. That is correct. An effort, extra effort should be made to rule a hand retrievable if it was folded as a result of incorrect information given to the player. Anyway, there were two players in this hand. It was a, just a cash game, but uh, two players left uh, in the hand. Um, after the river card was dealt, the, the board read. Uh, ace, nine, four, jack, deuce, all, four diamonds, and one spade. The four of spades, and then the rest were all diamonds. So, um, the, first of all, he goes and talks to the dealer, and here's what the dealer had to say. He said, after I dealt the river card, I didn't see any player check or bet. He said, when I said to player A, it's your turn, she tabled her cards. The dealer points to two cards laying face up in front of the player, a jack and a nine. Player B pushed his cards forward without saying anything. It looked like he was folding. I placed them on the top of the muck pile like I always do. But when I gave the pot to player A, player B objected, saying he had never acted. She had open folded, and the pot should be his. Player B also said his exact cards were the king of diamonds and the ten of spades, which in fact were the two cards on top of the muck pile. Yeah, he had the okay. he had he had the nut flush. Uh, so then, what do you do? Now you talk to both players, right? Get their story. Right. Right. You get right. Right. The, now, from what I just saw there, and what this gentleman actually had, if they you know they retrieved the right cards, and he said what he had, and they were up there, he probably did that thinking that that player, like you said, open folded. You know. Right. But. That's not really the case. They turn them over. You can penalize them. But unless they say fold and you pick up their hand and kill it, you know, the other person, in essence, the guy with the nuts, folded. Now, based that he thought the person had folded, I probably would have allowed him because you know he's not going to fold the nuts. Right. You know that. And I'm hoping that that's the decision that they made. Yeah, well, here's what, let's just go to player A, the woman. She said, uh, I was first to act and checked. A couple seconds later, the dealer motioned and said it was my turn. Uh, knowing that I had already checked, I assumed the dealer was calling for the showdown, even though I never saw player B check back, so I tabled my hand. With four diamonds out there, I'm never betting, and I can't call another bet, but my jack nine does give me two pair, which might be good if player B doesn't have a diamond in his hand. Player B says, I never acted. I didn't see player A check, and the dealer never indicated the action was on me, so I was just waiting. She tossed her cards face up towards the dealer before I acted, which is an open fold. She basically surrendered the pot by not waiting for me to act, so the pot belongs to me. I don't even need to show my cards. That's why I slid my cards face down toward the dealer and let go of them. It doesn't matter that her cards are face up because flipping them towards the dealer before I've acted is an open fold. And by the way, I had the nuts with the king of diamonds. Why would I ever fold the nuts? As you just said. Right. So the dealer then, then, then indicated that the two cards he re- retrieved from the top of the muck pile were exactly that, the king of diamonds and the jack and the ten of spades. And so you want me to say what I would have done there? Yeah, I mean, would you have done it any different? Uh, no, based on the explanation and obviously the hands that were there, okay, I would have awarded the pot to the gentleman who uh, who honestly thought that the person in front of him had folded, based on the fact that he 
he had the nuts. There was no reason for him to throw his cards in the muck. And, and not only that, not only did he not have a reason, but he's already seeing the other person's up cards. It, as, as, it, as it turns out, it didn't matter what they had. They could have had the queen of diamonds, the second nuts, and it still wouldn't have mattered because he had the king of diamonds. Based on his explanation and the way it turned out from the dealer, you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, what you're explaining there, I would have awarded being that the cards were retrievable. You know, they, they didn't get completely mixed up in the month. They, you know, I would have awarded the pot to that gentleman and had would have told everybody, listen, in the future, you know, ask if that person has folded to the dealer. That's very simple, you know, because I'm sure in some rooms they would have declared that hand dead. Yeah, and, and and that's what he says. He says that uh, uh, letting the cards speak is the best is in the best interests of the game. But if he had ruled it oppositely, it would still be a correct call because it would reflect that supervisor's use of judgment and discretion. Exactly. You know, I mean, it would have been a stupid move by this gentleman, obviously having the nuts. You know, uh, where it would have gotten real funny was, you know. If the guy all of a sudden falls and then realizes he had a low diamond, you know, and then, right. oh, my God, I had a flush. You understand? At that point, I would might I probably would have awarded the pot to the lady, the person who tabled the jack the two pairs. Right. You know, but being that he had the king of diamonds and based on that explanation and how it turned out that the dealer didn't say, are you checking, sir? You understand? Right. Because I'm very vocal. I, you know, I, I some of the things that have changed in the dealing uh, years, Dave, since I've been in this, and you know, and and I was out for quite a few years now after I was let go uh, back in 2012, 2013. You know, things are a little bit differently. I used to always look at the person and then going, sir, you know, she's showing her hands. I would have told the person, please don't show your hands. That person hasn't acted yet. You understand? That would have avoided a lot of problems, in my opinion, because if this guy's thinking, oh, that's not a considered a fold, well, then I'm going to bet. I would have made a bet there. I actually, as a player, I would have made a bet there trying to say, wow, maybe she's thinking, well, he knows I got two pairs he's betting because maybe he can't beat it, and he knows that if, if I think he's got a diamond, he's going to have me beat. I've seen that scenario happen before where someone – turns it over expecting the other person, either whether it's a move, you know, whether it's somebody's trying to make a, a move, you know. And I've seen the player, I've seen it on both ends where the player was beaten and made a big bet on the pot, figuring, hey, now this person has a decision to make, you know. And, again, based on what you just read and everything else, that would have been my decision to award the pot to the gentleman with the King 10. But, as they said, Different scenarios, different explanations. I probably, you know, a lot of supervisors would have probably awarded the pop to the other person. Right. Well, I think the I think the bottom line of this whole thing is that a lot of people say if it hits the muck, that's it. But you know, you have to use the best interests of the game clause to really decide how to rule on that. So uh, you need to be both the judge and the jury. And uh, I think in this case, it was the correct decision. And, and you know. Dave, I've seen it where people, and and you're right, players love, the, especially the losing player. <laughs> I mean, not especially, always the losing player loves to use that, oh, you know, the it, it hit the muck, and, and it's, you know, it, it should be, 
it should be, uh, you know, a dead hand. But as you mentioned, that's not the case. If it's an actual fold, you know, like where they're just flinging the card down, then right, right. and then they realize they folded the winning hand, the decision is made for the other player. But, you know, those are scenarios that I've always told my dealers, give me the clearest um, uh, explanation of what you actually saw. And then I, as a supervisor, have always asked, you know, people will start, you know, screaming and hollering, oh, no, that's not what happened. I always ask the dealer, a good supervisor will always tell the table to keep quiet. I'll hear everybody out. But first, I want to hear my dealer's, you know, explanation of the situation. Which carries the most weight, and, I would say, probably. Well, we, it does as long as the dealer is telling me that he or she has followed more or less the proper procedures. You understand? Right. And sometimes they have it. So now you have to kind of piecemeal this thing together, Dave. You know, if they went through it and then I'll ask them, well, did, did you see this person check? Now is where it gets into a gray area where you're hearing, well, to be honest with you, I didn't see it. I thought they had checked. Now I kind of get information. And as a supervisor, you can only base your decision, obviously, like you said, in the best interest of the game and in fairness. So now you're basing a decision on your dealer, as you said, which should be the large percentage of how you base your decision, regardless of what people say on the table. Okay. And, but it, when you have to make a call like this, you actually, most supervisors, unless it's a huge pot and there's a lot of confusion, then you might be able to get to see the hand and pull the pot aside, put it to the side and say, I'm going to look at the, you know, at the tape. I'm going to have somebody look at the tape and give me a final, you know, a, a decision on, on whatever question you have, you don't have a clear answer on. Right. And then you've got to base your decision on that. But as a supervisor, Dave, you've played poker. You can't consistently be doing something like that because every time there's a minor uh, discrepancy, you know, they're going to want you to check the tape. So most supervisors in most poker rooms, do not want to do that unless it's a huge pot and the majority of the table is is in accordance with, hey, that was wrong. With the information that Bill gave you was wrong, and and at that point you may not have a choice. And if you do make the decision without checking it on the camera, you're just upsetting a lot of people and opening yourself up, especially in today's day of social media, to a lot of criticism, which could eventually affect your rule. Yeah. Well, it makes sense to me. Um, let's finish up things uh, today with the upcoming schedule for the uh, Seminole Rock and Roll Poker Open. I had referred to it a little bit earlier. It gets underway on November the 20th with a $400 buy-in event with uh, with several, let's see, eight opening sessions uh, through the uh, 23rd, and then they'll go to day two on Sunday the 24th. But the great thing about this series, something the Seminole Hard Rock has done recently, and that is uh, have several mixed game events in the early going. So if you uh, play one of the early uh, $400 buy-in uh, events with a million guarantee, and then you're kind of waiting around a couple of days for day two to get here, they have some good events uh, that are a little bit different. Uh, Omaha, eight or better, horse, 
PLO, Big O, all in the opening few uh, sessions, days of the tournament. So uh, that's great to see. It gives people a chance to kind of just jump into something they might normally not play. Yeah, you're right, Dave. I mean, you know, these mixed events, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you've you gotten the rules. Do they put that, uh, what do they call those games, Padugi or whatever? Uh, no, uh, they don't usually have that big of uh, variance with the uh, dealer's choice and that sort of thing. They kind of limit it. Horse is probably the biggest uh, game as far as numbers of games go. Right, which is what you and I have played in the past together when we went up to uh, to play at a, at the WSOP circuit event up in uh, you know at, at Palm Beach at the right. Palm Beach Kennel Club. Exactly. That's what I like to play. But now when they play the uh, isn't it the Players' Championship that uh, the grinder has won three times? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's an eight game with a lot of different. They have like seven or eight different eight, games. Yeah, that's an eight game mix. Right. So you know. It'd be it's nice. Hopefully you you know I would love for you know I don't know what the buy-ins are for some of these tournaments, but I'd love for them to make them affordable so people can at least start trying to do that because you know that opens it up for your room to play different types of games and and the more games that you offer and the different varieties that, that you know that you can offer from that allows you to draw more players in and and you know. I would love to start learning how to play some of those games. And, of course, the, the brand-new room is open over there as well, so we'll be checking that out. Uh, the main event starts on uh, Friday, November 29th, uh, also an, an opening day on November the 30th. $2 million guarantee this year, $3,500 buy-in with the streamed final table on uh, December the 4th. Uh, also, there's a ladies' event uh, with a 10000 guarantee. And uh, an added seat to the uh, main event. Uh, that is on November 30th. And there will be a seniors event on December the 3rd. 50 and up, uh, $400 buy-in on Tuesday, December the 3rd at noon. So uh, the whole schedule, a lot of uh, satellites and everything. So we'll be checking some of that out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, certainly love to have Tony on to talk about it as well. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, Joe, thank you for tonight. I know it's not always easy to do it by phone, but uh, I thought it went pretty well, and I'm uh, glad you had a chance to uh, to come in. Yeah, I'm glad to, but, you know, and I'm sorry I didn't get to see uh, our, our Mr. Gio in person and, and, and Joe up there, but, uh, you know, hopefully next week we'll see each other. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All righty, guys. Have a great night. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you, Gio, and uh, appreciate all the help, and uh, appreciate Joe coming on by phone tonight. And uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.